Hey everyone, very special episode today. It's the finale of season one of the Product Marketing Experts. 39 episodes, we've done 39 episodes of this show. We've been doing it for three quarters of a year and it has been a damn fun ride. So thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate all of you. Today, we've got Dave Gerhardt, the CMO of Privy and the former VP of Marketing at Drift. Dave is a fantastic marketer and a huge inspiration to me personally, and I'm sure many of you. His whole shtick about picking a niche and creating content for it and creating a podcast for it was a big reason I decided to do this one. So thanks, Dave. Dave and I talk about my favorite topic, the company's story, and why it's so important to design a product-driven narrative today, design that narrative, and how to do it. We also get off track and talk about a whole bunch of other stuff but it's a great episode. Keep listening. If you care about this topic and want to learn more, check out my narrative design masterclass with the Product Marketing Alliance. The link is in the show notes. And I poured a ton of time and effort into that class and it gives you everything you need to become a narrative designer like DG. So check it out. Expense it on that L&D budget. Join the fun. Can't wait to see you there. Huge thank you to the Sharebird team. I didn't want to do this podcast without an amazing partner. And Alex and Jolisha have been so great to work with and are just friends and good people. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate you. If you, listener, want to get involved in the larger product marketing community, go to sharebird.com. Even though this is the last episode of this show, season one of this show, we'll have content on this podcast next week. So come back, me and Dan Murphy, the director of product marketing at Privy, are gonna talk about his mini series on positioning that will air right here on this podcast. So keep coming back, come back next week. We are still gonna have fresh content, so that should be fun. As always, thank you so much for listening and let's connect on LinkedIn. If you have any feedback, reach out to me, reach out to Sharebird and let's chat. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts, brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into storytelling, more specifically, your company's narrative. Today, every technology category is crowded, like really crowded. The MarTech super graphic doubles and triples every year. It's crazy. And at the same time, marketing in many ways has become democratized. Everyone has like the same playbook and it's a pretty good playbook. The result is that every category has millions of lookalike technology solutions, all making the same claims, all shouting, we're the best, all spamming the same channels, all telling the exact same story. This is terrible for buyers because you have no idea who to choose. You're just lost. So you probably just pick the biggest one. And now, and most categories are winners take all. So one company emerges, takes over, and the rest are left fighting for scraps, clawing at each other. A lot of people think this is just the way it is. You have to outshout your competition, but not everybody. Some companies tell a radically different story than what's in the market, one that breaks free of the status quo, and people flock to it because most companies, most folks are really just drowning in the sea of lookalike solutions, trying to find some signal, trying to find something that's for them. And when a company steps out 
and tells you that they are different and they're new and they're interesting and why and why they're for you, we really listen and pay attention. And a lot of people talk about this. A lot of people say they can do this. Very few have. One person who's done it multiple times now is Dave Gerhardt, first with Drift, now with Privy, even with his own brand and his marketing group. Uh, a lot of you probably know DG, but he's the CMO of Privy and the former VP of marketing at Drift. Really, really excited to chat with him today about storytelling. Dave, what's up, man? Hey, that was cool to be a part of that process. I like that. I like that. That's it, like your opening monologue. It's good. Yeah, I think I love to me the <clears throat> that's what I love doing is I love more than, you know, being a manager and doing the day to day marketing stuff. I love being involved in the company story because I think it just has such it gives you so much leverage. And it's my favorite part of being marketing that I've now learned. It's like it's the storytelling part, because if you don't have a company story, you have nothing. And I've seen multiple times now firsthand how the story has to cascade to everything that you do where like in the past in in previous roles i've just kind of chalked it up as just messaging and it's the most important ingredient but people don't like to talk about it because it's not as sexy as ai or you know the latest funnel hack or growth hack and so you know it's still it still is forgotten and and i think it's a skill it's a really important skill that not everybody is good at you're not going to hire the 22 year old intern and have them write your company story it's not going to happen and so i think it's the most important thing and somehow you've asked me one question i'm already i fired myself up <laughs> this is good man no it's great and that's why I know you care about it and I know you're good at it. And I've, you know, I've seen you, you do it and that's, that's why you're here. That's why we're talking about it. But like, why do you think a lot of CEOs miss this? And it, like, why isn't everybody doing this in the beginning? Like, is it just not a thing that technology companies care about? Or do people see it as marketing stuff? Like, why isn't it foundational when people are starting a company? I don't know. I don't know. There's a, probably a bunch of different symptoms, right? Like I think oftentimes in, in the world that we're in, which is tech, the CEO is maybe more of a technical pro or, or CTO is more of a technical product person. And they truly believe the game changing technology that they're building. And so their bias is to tell that story. I think not a lot of startup founders, they just don't think about it first because they're so embedded in the customer and the product problem. I also think it's, it's a hard skill. Like it's not natural to the most people, not, you know, it's not directly related to public speaking, but like, I would almost use it as like, well, it's like kind of asking like, well, Marcus, why isn't, why isn't everybody good at public speaking? Like, mm -hmm. because it's a skill it takes, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. It takes us, you know, you have to know how to do it. You have to have a lot of repetition doing it. And I think the same is true with the company story that a lot of people don't, they just, it's so easy because the ROI is not instant. And it's just so easy to just become a tactician. You got to get the yeah. company going. You got to fundraise, you got to hire, you got to do payroll, you got to get an office, you got to do all the other things to like build up your company. And then it's like, oh shit, you have 30 employees and like you haven't really, but you kind of have the rotating website of messaging for, for the week. And I've been fortunate in my situation where I've worked now back to back for two CEOs, David at Drift and Ben at Privy, who they care about the story first. And my first conversation, like in, in the conversations the, the relationship that I had with David when I was at Drift was like, that's all we talked about was a story every day. And I think people don't appreciate this and they don't know it, which is like, that is all we talked about. We texted about it, literally texted about it every day, Slack, email, calls, videos, like that's all we talked about and worked on. Yeah. And I just think that most people don't, know that and they're not willing to put in the, the work at that level but like you know it, it was never perfect it was never done and it's an it's an evolution and then and then now at the same thing at privy where like ben as a ceo he knows that there's a million shopify apps there's so much noise in this market like the, the way to win is is through the story and 
I think they both believe that like, I love, I love Andy Raskin has said this to me. And so I don't know if it's his line, but he said it, which is like story is strategy. And I didn't think of that in the moment at privy or drift, but now I realize like, Oh yeah, that is what drove it. It's like, because we had like, we have strong stories that drives the decisions that you make as a business. And so I'll give you an example, right? At, at, at privy, we're focused on really being the leaders for small e-commerce brands. Now, that statement alone is then a guardrail for how we position the company, for what content, for, for what our marketing team does, right? Because if that's our guardrail, we're not going to go and create 201 level expert e-commerce content about return on ad spend calculators and all that shit. We're going to talk about, hey, here's a simple way to set up your store and how to get your first customer. We're going to bring on experts. We're going to be very friendly. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to be very approachable. Like that story, that, that's not the story. It's a line, but that becomes the guardrail for how, how we do marketing. Give you another, same thing at Drift. Created a category of conversational marketing. Therefore, that drives the product roadmap right? Because if that's the company you're becoming, everything falls under that umbrella. And so launching future products, like for me, positioning there, whenever we had a new product launch, positioning there was not, it was hard to find maybe the hook for that product, but in the macro, it wasn't hard because it's like, okay, I know that I am positioning this somewhere within the conversational marketing umbrella. So this is going to be conversational video, conversational email. And I think when you spend that time up front, it makes so many of the other decisions easier because you have this clear identity as a brand. You have clear focusing from a marketing strategy and product strategy. It's such a way to get the company aligned, but also just clarity of message to your customers. This is who we're for. This is why we exist. And we're going to tell the story over and over and over again. Yeah. I love your point about identity. I mean, I think that's the thing that really stands out. Like, you know, the companies you worked at, like some of the companies I've worked at, like they had, like it had this strong identity. Like, like everybody knew exactly what you're saying. Everybody knew exactly what Drift was about, what they stood for, what they're trying to say. And another thing, and like the value of that is huge. And it's not just for marketing, like you're saying, you know, it's like, it, it helps marketing because everybody knows you know, it's easier to digest to like the story is a strategy. It's way easier to digest than like a massive QBR, like some like it's a short story that everybody gets that you can internalize and you can figure out and then you can use it to, you know, write a blog post or a tweet or whatever, like you're using it all the time, even if you're not thinking about it, but it's not just marketing. It's also product like you're talking about, which makes it really like if that creates alignment, everybody's on the same page, having a product, it's having its marketing, it's happening in sales. It's like, it's everywhere. And it's a very simple thing. It's this short story that everybody gets and knows. And, and, and beyond like, and, and you and I have talked a bunch about, you know, privately about like positioning and, you know, we talked about a- April Dumford's book, which is fantastic, right? You, you were the one that put me on that. And there's a bunch of different frameworks for doing positioning, but I think like, at least in the way that I see this in my head, as I'm talking to you right now, I just kind of like my natural tendency now to like, before you even get to the positioning doc, I'm like, what's the story of that company? What is the story? And so like, even with something like my my marketing, a year ago, I started this like private podcast and community for, for marketers. I just was going to post my own rants and stuff and, and monetize it and whatever. And like eight months later, this thing pivots to like, oh no, people want marketing education and marketing knowledge. And so on the fly, I'm thinking about that. And then like, that's the thing that you're thinking about. You're like, oh, we're, there's something like we've learned from our audience. And like, this is also what's important in each of these businesses is like, this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum where you're sitting in some like private room, you haven't shipped anything to the world publicly. Like it's so powerful to like, you don't have to have your story perfect, but you have to put stuff out in the world so you can get feedback on it and find the right one. And so with like DGMG, for example, I put it out in the world 
with no intention other than I'm going to have this private podcast through the audience every month. I'm like, wow, this is so obvious what this needs to be. This is really like an online, this is online education for B2B marketers. And so I started circling around that as a tagline. I'm like, nah, but that's what it is, but that's not a story. And then one day I'm in the shower and it just is like, oh, no, the reason that DGMG exists is because nobody went to school for B2B marketing. Mm. And so that's the line, right? That's not positioning. That's not a framework. That is a one-liner that to me now is the strategy. And I'm saying this as an example, because it doesn't have to be this, like you have this perfect framework or doc or guide. Like it can be, this is, it's this piece of like spark that drives the whole brand, whether that's HubSpot and inbound marketing, Drift and conversational marketing, Privy and e-commerce marketing for small businesses. That's the catalyst to then go drive all that other stuff. And so now, now that I've simplified that decision, Hey, I want to make this B2B marketing education thing because nobody went to school for B2B marketing that has then made so many other decisions easier. And it's just like, it is the most important decision you can make for your brand, for your business. And even personally, just to give you another example, the best people that have that are putting content out on Twitter, for example, what do they do? They make it explicit about what content they're posting. I post about marketing. So therefore I've now set expectations for you when you come follow me on Twitter and you, it creates a different level of experience where it's like, I post about being a dad. And if I never talk about being a dad, you're going to the, the promise doesn't match the value. It's like, these are the same lessons, the same lessons that apply to like how to run a good Twitter account are the same ones that are how to build your brand through storytelling. Absolutely. There's a lot in there. One, one thing I want to pull out, which I think you do well and makes a lot of sense is that you're not, so like you're talking about, you come out with a strong message or a strong, you know, like, like good marketing, you've got an opinion on it, but then you're looking for feed, like you're putting a lot out there. You're looking for feedback. You're trying to change. I think that's hard for a lot of people, right? Because it's scary to like hit send, you know, but I think you don't have any problems with that. And for a lot of reasons, but I just want to hear from you, like, you know, why, why do you take that approach? Is it just because you want this feedback and you can change? Do you think it's better to publish stuff that's not perfect? What what do you think about that? Honestly, this is the real reason. Yeah. Is I don't care if somebody copies it like, and when it's, it's, so it's not like, it's not that I have some philosophy and I'm like, this is why I'm doing it. Like I've actually, I tried to just think about that as an original answer. The first time you asked it, which is like, no, the honest answer is, and this could be, maybe it's an ego thing. I I don't know, but like, I really, I am not inventing something that is like secret, top secret, like super science. And so like, what does it matter if somebody knows that we are, whether that's at Privy, at Drift or, or like a personal thing, like what does it matter if our customers know that we may or may not launch this new email thing? We're not Apple. Nobody's going to scoop us. No big competitor is just going to instantly copy what we do. Even if they do, it's going to take months to do it. And so I would rather do something like reach out to my customer base and be like, Hey, we're thinking about building a blank product. You know, here's two ways we're thinking about it. What do you think? I'd rather do that and get initial feedback than like keep it top secret. And look for me, I've also mostly, I've only worked in like, you know, fast growing early stage startups. And so like, this is not advice. If you work at IBM, like, of course, you're not going to be able to just send an email out to your customers and do that, but it's just such an advantage. And I think that 99.9% of people don't care and aren't going to pay attention. And so like, I'd rather take that risk and use it to get foolproof feedback on stuff. Because now I think once you do that, like, I feel like anything that I launch now, I have a good sense of like, 
if it's going to be successful or not, because I've done enough like audience testing in advance. I'm more surprised when it doesn't than, than when it does. And I just think it's such an advantage. I don't know why you'd use that. You'd use that, especially today, dude. It's, it's insane. Like you can build a Twitter following. You can build a LinkedIn following. You could be saying like your secret goal as Marcus is to build like product marketing software. Okay. But like what you're doing right now through your podcast and your group is like, you're building, like if you had a group or whatever, you're building like this, this group of like-minded people who care about product marketing. And so I just think it's so, the most powerful thing for me in marketing is building an audience before you have a product or before you deliver the product. And just like, for me, it's just like using that to then shape the story. You got to have a gut feeling about why you're doing it, but then use your audience to shape it. It's such an advantage. Yeah, I really agree. And I should get you back to the story. I'm just asking questions that I think are interesting. But uh, to like, in the topic too, it's like, you know, a community cares about a big story and like a big narrative too. They're not interested in, you know, maybe they're interested in your product or solution. If you can like, they'll pay you for something if it helps them solve a a problem, but they're very interested in this, in this larger story. It's just, it's also how people communicate though. It's like, if you, if you're like, Hey, there's a new restaurant in town, they make, they have good burgers. Okay. That's one thing. Versus like, hey, there's a new restaurant in town and uh, I heard that the, the woman who owns it, actually, she's been doing this for 50 years and she has done this in three or four other states and now she's brought it here. Like those are the, we're describing the same things, but, but one of them has a story to it and the other one doesn't. And stories are just like, people are just, humans are wired to, to be receptive to them. Yeah, there's so there's so much that you like with a short story that you absorb and download and get, but you don't even think about it because it's, you're right, you're wired for it. All right, so when, I wanna hear a little bit more about like, you're the CMO, whatever, you're the, you're the lead marketer, you're working with your CEO. You and David were talking about this all the time, right? You and Ben are talking about this all the time, but what, is that, what does that mean? Is that just like you guys are talking about the story all the time? I just Can you unpack it for me a little bit? What does it turn into? Like you guys are having conversations, then you're creating a, a deck or like a doc or like a manifesto that you're sharing with the team. Like how do you code that those conversations and how do you turn it into something that you get it out to the rest of your team? I think mostly, so there's kind of like three levels of this, right? One of them would be like, we would very clearly be talking like either the overall company positioning, right? And positioning, as you know, is like from April's book, context setting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's overall like big, that's not a individual blog post. That's not a website headline. That is like overall positioning. And I think that's always a conversation because the market is always evolving. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like the market is always evolving. Customers are are always evolving. I've been at Privy for a year, a little over a year, and, and we're going through our second kind of repositioning exercise now because of how things have changed. And so that one's kind of like always ongoing. It's not, you know, we're not talking about it all the time, but like it might come up as like, I see how one company's talking about it and realize like there could be an interesting angle for us to like either draft on that. And so I would send, let's say Ben a note and be like, dude, do you see how so-and-so is talking about this? What if we actually became the blank for this? Oh, interesting. Okay. And that, and that like might not be a conversation that goes anywhere, but I think what I've had in both companies is a relationship where like there doesn't always have to be an action item marketers. I'm talking to you product marketers, especially <laughs> Like we can just, just talk, like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Like my, my wife and I, we want to have a a, a different house one day. Doesn't mean we're going to do it right now, but we talk about it. We're like, oh yeah. And so I think you have to have that, like, it has to be, it start, it it comes from a place of genuine passion and curiosity, right? Because like you want to talk about it because you're always trying to improve. You're always trying to shape the brand. 
and it doesn't come up, but like there might be a couple other competitors that are hot on, on your, you know, on your tails or, or related. And you're just kind of like, you know, you're reading their blogs, you're reading their emails, you're seeing how they position things. And, and it's just this ongoing conversation, right? Part two is more specific to like, I think that the one liner is something that we work on a lot because that's also evolving. You know, I'm sure even at a company at the scale of HubSpot, right? Like that company, they're talking about that always. It's like, you don't just commit to the one line. Like, and, and when I say one line, I mean like the, the headline on the homepage. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, that's the billboard of your company. And so one line or whatever, I mean, what does the headline of your homepage say? Like, and I just think the website is your store. And so like we, when we're talking about the story, 99% of that means like, that top third of your website, what's on it, what's the message, that's what everyone's going to see. That's what we scrutinize the most from a conversion perspective and storytelling perspective. And so we spend a lot of time there. Is this the, you know, is it the right headline? And the great thing about that is you can use data to inform some of those decisions, but oftentimes you just have to take a, you know, multiple times in my career, I've had to take a like, Hey, the num- we're not worried about the, the numbers here because this is a strategic decision that we're making to go in this direction. And so it's like, don't just treat this as an A-B test. And then the third level of that is like overall content strategy, because I think it's great to have a story. And I think there's a lot of companies that can figure out how to tell a story, but the missing piece today that you have an advantage, whether you're a product marketer or CEO is that you can be a publishing company. And so in the past, you might have to nail, Hey, this where you and I are talking about story. Great. We got this great story and it lives in a Google doc somewhere. But today what's so freaking powerful about, about, being a brand is like, you can, you don't have to wait for somebody to promote your message, right? You can go start a blog about that topic, start a podcast about the topic, start a community about the topic, start an email list about the topic, build up a social following related to that topic. And so like, you can then go take the, take that. And so we'd all, we always are talking about like, how do we tell our story, not just through the homepage, but what's, you know, how does the podcast fit into that strategy? How's the blog fit in that strategy? How does a day-to-day, you know, tits and tats of, of marketing. How does that stuff fit in? And that's really helpful because you can tell when a company, like if you go look at all the privy stuff, it's very clear. Go, go look at 50 blog posts, 50 podcast episodes and 10 videos. And you'll be like, oh yeah, these are all around the same umbrella topic. Go to a company that doesn't have a clearly defined story. And it's like, there's kind of six random videos on YouTube. There's no, you know, Twitter, they talk about whatever the blog, you know, is like every now and then there's a post on it. And I think it's like, it becomes, I said this the other day on Twitter, which helps sometimes clarify my thoughts, but like to me, a brand is not your logo. It's not your colors on your website. A brand is your reputation. And then the way that you build a reputation today is content, right? If I don't like you and I have never really hung out, but I know of you and I know you from social media and LinkedIn and, and, you know, maybe Instagram, like this is how we build relationships with people. And it's the same is true for, for a brand. And so I think like content is the best way to like get your story out there. You're not just going to be able to go and change the headline on your homepage and everyone's going to get your story. You know, Mark Benioff and Salesforce, they're still out there 20 years later, a gazillion billion dollars in revenue later, still hammering on messaging. And you, you got to be able to do your do the same thing. I think this is also, I think this is evolving the role of product marketing too, which is like, I think product marketing can be the best, some of the best content creators inside of your company. And it's almost like you want to, as a content team, you want to work with the product marketing subject matter experts to get that content out there. And so like, 
We have somebody on the team today at Privy, this guy, Connor, he was an entrepreneur. He started an e-commerce business in college and we hired him to do product marketing at Privy. And half of his role is like making YouTube videos, doing breakdowns of websites and, you know, writing how to posts. And I think that's such a valuable piece of the content machine. You, you got to think of yourself as a publisher, not just a storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I like that. There's a lot in there. And I, I think the just one big thing I take away from that is like, you know, having the one liner in the top third of your website as this, like, that's the vehicle, you know, it's great because it's not a Google doc. It's not some whatever. It's like, it's public and everybody, it's the most public marketing asset that you have because you could use a lot of things for this. Right. But that is the place where you have everybody align on this idea. Uh, it's, and it's, it's also the most natural. If I say to you, like Marcus, if you're like, Hey, I got a new job. Oh, oh, what company did you go to? Oh, you go to Pendo. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go type that company in yeah. and I'm going to go and look up their website. And within that two minutes, I'm going to decide what they do. This is what we do if we're buying phone cases or enterprise SaaS software, you go to the freaking website. And so the website has to be your, your number one place to tell it. And I also think it's why it's so important that product marketing specifically owns the website from a product perspective. Demand gen has to own it as a channel, but product marketing needs to own it as like a packaging. Like this is what we are saying to the world, working in tandem with demand gen to, to like understand the performance. Absolutely. So, all right. So you told, you gave me a little bit about how you, you know, you've got product marketing as part of the content strategy, part of the content engine. You've got a great product marketer and Dan Murphy over there. How is he, does he ever come to you and is like, what is this? Like, is, does he push on you from a product side where he's like, what are you doing with the story? Like it needs to be more product driven or are you thinking about the product when you're thinking about like, is the product and the product strategy part of like this larger is that part of like the process when you're coming up with a story? Like, how are you working together with Dan? How are you thinking about the product when you're doing those three steps? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's more like we, I think the positioning overall is, I don't know this, if this is the perfect way to do it, but in the past, we've created a story and then we've gone to the product team and said, here's how we're thinking about, can we talk about the story? We want to give you an update on like how we're thinking about things. Because I think somebody has to make the first move. Hmm. And if you have this like sit down meet, you know, I think like for me in the past, it's always been very much like there's a catalyst for it. It's not like, you know, I haven't worked at very big companies, like thousands of employees, right? But like, there's always been some type of catalyst, like ah, we're not feeling like the messaging is tight or like once a quarter, we want to look at it and see if we can boost it up. And so we'll typically take a stab through things in marketing. And cause usually like, there's a reason you, you already, you have a, you have a gut feeling for why you're going, you're not just like, let's make a change. And I have no idea what we should change. It's like, no, there's usually a gut feeling like, ah, something continues to come up on customer calls or, you know, deals of this type continue to not close or not have urgency. And so there's usually some business driver of it. Then we'll take a stab through the story. Dan's role is it, 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 it's different each time. A lot of it is like, I, as a CMO, as a marketing leader, it's kind of weird because that's that's like what I do is the story piece, right? Which is like, and so I I often do a lot of that initially, or I might be the I might kick it off. And so, like as an example, right now at Privy, we're we're doing a positioning thing, and and Dan's running it. But it started from me hitting Dan up and saying like, ah, we're going that well at the management level from the company, we're going in a different direction. So it comes from the CEO. And what about this? Okay, we're okay. So I think we're I think we need to go update the story. Then I would hit up Dan and say like, Hey, 
CEO wants to make some updates to the story. I love it. Here's why. I think we can hit on boom, 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 boom. Can you take this and run with it and kick off new positioning? That, that's typically how it's happened. And then like at Drift, for example, it'd be more directly with David and I, and like I would go write it and and we would then try to like implement that to the team. Dan's gotten awesome at it. And so like, it's great. You know, he, He's doing that now, but I think it's like, it's a unique one because I think you got to think about who's on the team and the strengths. And so like for me, from a marketing perspective, I am not the, you know, spreadsheet demand gen CMO. My strength is in storytelling and positioning and messaging and communication and branding. And so that's where I'm going to spend more of my time. And so like as a CMO at an earlier and, and even at Drift, like earlier stage company, part of the job has to be do, doing the doing. And, and so in my case, the, the doing is the messaging as opposed to like, you know, I'm, I'm not running new tests on, on LinkedIn. And so it's a weird answer in that, like, it's just, it's been the most important, it's been the, the part of marketing that I've always been the closest to. And so I'm, I'm kind of always involved, but I just believe that from the top down anyway, it's like, if you're the marketing leader, the marketing leader and the CEO have to be the ones that are driving the change. And, you know, sometimes you have a product person who is really into the story and sometimes you don't. And some product people want to really be involved in the story only as it relates to like, is this going to change my world? You know, can we deliver on this promise? And then some people don't want to be involved at all. And so I think it's like, it's a tough question to answer, Marcus, because I think so many pieces match like, who, what's the mark, mix of the marketing team? How's a CEO? What is the, you know, product? How do they want to be involved? So it's like this kind of, this kind of rotating thing, but I think that the initiative has to come out of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot in there, but I think the, you know, it is, if you think about story as a strategy, and then I think if you think about, I think it's also important just to be like, look, marketing can bring this story to product, and like we can, you know, it's a way to kind of influence and align and make sure you've got a good, you know, make sure that they're bought into it and then you figure it out. Right. It's kind of what I hear you saying. So I like that. I think it's smart. I think it's, I think it's important too, because sometimes as product marketers, you're like, all right, what are you building? And then we're going to figure out like, you know, how to turn this into a story. But you're saying this is company level strategy that we should bring to the other teams, which I like. We kind of touch on this, but I'm, I'm just, I am really curious about it. Let's say you've created, you know, Drift, obviously you created a new game that everybody wanted to play in conversational marketing. It came out of nowhere, basically, even though you were in a category that you, other people were doing the same kind of stuff as you, like from a technology standpoint, but you created this new game that everybody else wanted to play. And then all of a sudden you had all these companies who are also conversational marketing companies. Is that was that scary for you guys? Was that like, uh, oh shit, or is it like this is validation? Like, is did that worry you? What did what did you think when all that started to happen? I thought, hell yes, this is amazing. Yeah. This is amazing. We came in this space, created this thing nobody was talking about a year ago. Now everyone's trying to either talk about it or claim it as their own. It, it's amazing. And if you go and look at anything about uh, the, the book that I had read, we read it as a team actually at the time was Play Bigger. Yeah. Christopher Lockhead's book. And, you know, the book talks a lot about how, and this is where I think a lot of people get stuck and it drives me nuts, which is like, Dave, we want to create a category and be the only person, but, but other people, other, our competitors are in the category. Well, then guess what? It ain't a category. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that was such an important piece of that, which is like on the surface, is it scary? Because you have companies that have more resources, more money, whatever they could go build what you're building for sure. But at the same time, it's fantastic because this is the game that you want to play, right? If you're creating a new game and you fundamentally believe that it's the right way, why would other people not get into that space? And right. so I think it, it puts the other thing that it did. So, so it's great from a, from a brand perspective, for sure, because now 
a lot of companies basically did their selling for us because while before that they weren't acknowledging us, now they were talking about it as their own. We got to be able to say, wait, so you're going to now trust this company who hadn't said boo about this for you know two years and now they're right. talking about it, right? Or do it's you want to go trust, with it? It's that trust, trust. too. It's like, oh, you're going to, who are you going to trust? Because that Dude, is my the favorite. Thing. This my favorite new. campaign, my favorite campaign, sorry, I, I'm so, I'm so hot about this topic. My, <laughs> my, my favorite campaign that we did with that was like, we, we were the number one product in, so there was no conversational marketing category on G2 and they created one because of the demand that they, we had for, for Drift. Then Drift was the number one product in conversational marketing. And so like the best, the brand campaign that I'm the most proud of is then we turned it into a whole like you know, the classic like Ava, Hertz Avis, right? Which is like Avis was number two, Hertz was number one. And then so, so they said like, we're number two, we try harder, right? So like, why would you go like, why go with number two? Well, because we try harder. That's a good angle. But in the drift situation, it was like the way that the way that we handle the objection of like, well, there's seven other companies doing conversational marketing right now. And I would say to that, exactly. So go with the company who created the category and is the leader in this category. And here's the proof from G2 Crowd and, and customer reviews. And so like, scary, but also you can't be the leader of a category you're the only person in. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. And I think, I mean, read play bigger in Lockhead's book. It's awesome. And it's, he's just a really good writer too. He, just, he gets me so fired up. It's so, it's so much fun to read, but his stuff is great, but I like, I like that too. I think what, oh, well, it also puts a pressure on the product team to keep delivering, which is really fun, right? Because yes, if you through product and marketing, create this like corner of the market where you feel like you have a leadership position or you're creating something new, you have to then continue to put out new stuff in the, in, in the world from both a product and a marketing perspective. And so like, you know, what I, what I've seen in the companies that I've been at have been like, okay, so we've now established ourselves as the leader of this thing. How do we, how do we keep doing that? Because if we take a quarter off, if we don't ship for a quarter, somebody else is going to swoop in and, and, and take that space. And so I think it just like, it does a lot to set the pace for the company as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you made a point earlier too, like that innovation and pushing forward. I love, I didn't really thought about that. I like that a lot, but you made a point earlier too. It's like when you get it right. And it's like actually a real thing that you're talking about and not just marketing bullshit. Like, I feel like people come out of the woodwork and they're like, Oh, I I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to play this game that you're talking about. I just didn't know what it was called. I didn't know how to think about it. I didn't know all these pieces here. And it seems like that's what happened for you all where it's like, because it was instant pretty much, right? Like a year isn't, isn't that long of a time. Yeah, I, might, I mean, so back to the whole thing we had talked about earlier about the power of building an audience. When I started at Drift, the goal was not to build the category of conversational marketing initially out the gate. It was, we're, we're learning as we're building right now. We're still kind of in private mode. Like they were selling customers, but it was like very hand-to-hand behind the scenes. There was no way to get the product from the website. And so I spent the first six months of my job there in marketing, building the audience through content, through blog. And so what we had put out in the world before we created the category of conversational marketing was we put out this whole no forms movement. And so what, what we did was through our audience, we put out all this stuff that was like, look, lead forms are dead. It's the end of gated content. And, and the reason why we created that was because wink, wink, we're creating the solution. Right. And so we had already primed the audience. And so like before we even had a product, we had this audience of marketers who believed in what we, who like, 
who who the favorite my favorite thing about content is that when you do your work in public and put your and put your stuff out there you attract like-minded people right mm-hmm. and so before people knew they wanted to buy drift we were putting content out into this world that attracted this like-minded group of people who were like yes I'm tired of the traditional way of marketing too. We think this is broken. Drift, drift. Like we don't know what you're doing, but follow, <laughs> take us, right? And then I got to be like six months later when we launched, I got to be like, Psst. so you know how you've been on our email list getting our content now for six months? Well, I got something for you. I got to try. Do you want to see the product that we've been building? Yeah, okay. Right. So then now people start using it. Then almost a year after that, we were like, wow, this is really taking off. Marketing 101, you want something to really take off? Give it a name. Mm-hmm. give it a name it needs a name it needs a name of the movement and so that's where we ended up you know getting on the conversational marketing piece and and the rest was history but like i wanted to go break it down from that perspective because that's again back to the value of like being a publisher and putting stuff out in the world we we wouldn't have gotten to that point if we were just like secretly in stealth mode and then one day we're going to just like turn on and launch no, it just it'd still be just you and DC sitting in a room and uh, Cambridge side over there. No, I would uh, not be sitting, and I would not be sitting in a room. No, definitely not. <laughs> Out in the parking lot, isn't that what she is? Uh, I would be a, a program specialist, a marketing coordinator at IBM right now. That's where I would be. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that is so good. I love that. I, it comes up a lot where people are like, oh, we got to launch, you know, like, okay, we're going to build a story for this. We're going to build a narrative. And that's going to be like the vehicle for our product launch. And like, no way you're, you look like launch this narrative, start telling this story way before you have the product. And then it's, it makes that launch so much more impactful because you already have this community that you're talking about. You're already inside their heads because they believe that, reforms are broken in this instance. And then it's, they already believe that then telling them that you have a solution to this thing. You don't have to sell them. Right. It's like, it's a way different yeah. conversation. It's, it's also why, like, it's another reason of like, to, to be specific for your audience in product marketing. It's like the better you can become about planning and knowing what's coming. It really does make a difference because let's say like such a good hack for do it, for getting better launches out the door is if I know right now, it's February, we're recording this, right? If I know, hey, if you and me have this company and, and in June, we're launching our new text messaging product, we know that's coming. Then great, I don't need to tell the world that we're launching a text messaging product. But from a content strategy perspective, from March, April, May, and June, we're going to start hearing about text messaging from us, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to start talking about it on the blog, talking about it on the podcast, maybe do a mini event or Zoom series about it. And so like, it's an important for not for product marketers to like, realize they they should influence they should have influence over a lot of the content creation process for for that reason because of the air cover and the audience relationship and so if i'm launching a text product in june i right now through content want to be building a mini audience for for that product and and that topic that i can learn from so we nail the launch like the and and when you do this right by the way you're writing a video script for the product launch Hmm. not based on random guesses you're like no no i know exactly what the video is going to be because i've been listening to the calls i got the transcripts i've been hearing the early feedback like i know the hook then you kind of already have the ingredients and then you can put them together it's like a lot of this is copywriting related and like to be a great copywriter you don't have to be this original thinker you have to be really good at stitching the right ingredients together and i think the same is true like building up to a product launch you you can tell you when a company launches a product and that thing's not really real or nobody's really using it you can tell when they launch it because they don't have they, they don't have anything that goes they don't have anything that goes with it right and so I think the earlier you can build content as air cover around that it's great for the brand but it's also great for you to learn what you're going to need to put in that launch kit 
hundred percent. Yeah. I think that, and then usually that just doesn't happen until after the thing is out there and it's live and you're talking to customers, but it doesn't need to be that way. That's great advice for product marketers. I am in DGMG and it's awesome, man. It's been fun. I feel like I've been in the Facebook group and like doing stuff. It's a, it's pretty cool. What's going on with DGMG and the vault. This is, this is new. How do you broke it in the group? I don't know if you've talked about it on Twitter and stuff. I'm yeah. Sure so, have, but... I, well, this is another example of learning, learning through the audience. So DGMG was just my podcast and then people want more. They want in-depth conversations. And so like I did an, I like you and I did a, an hour conversation where you like actually pulled up, you pulled up like a Google, you pulled up a, a deck and walk through like your, your, the way that you think about positioning and messaging. And so like, I wanted to, I want to deliver on that because there's a huge appetite for it. And so I launched something new called the vault, but then immediately I launched the vault and was like, no, no, it's not, it's not the vault. It's, it's, it's DGMG university. It's like the yeah, next, that's it. the next, the next piece of it, which is like, and so, so that's so, so basically I have a bunch of content that's being created for that now. But the thing that I'm excited about is it's not just, it's not just me. Like the, the response has been insane of like, I want to contribute to this because there's valuable distribution. People like I had somebody on the podcast who runs a, an agency and she told me that after our interview went out, she had 15 inbound like uh, meeting requests. And so like, there's actually value. I can provide value on the other side. What were you going to say? Go. No, it's just, it's exactly what we're talking about. Like I, I have a course that I'm launching that I'm excited for to teach people about like their design. This interview will be in there, but like I've been talking, I've been trying to add value and like work, you know, talk about this stuff and like build it, you know, like understand it and unpack it and write about it and create about it for like years, years, two years. Right. And it's just, right. it's so important to, it's nice because it's a community and, but it's so important from, you know, for creators and just for people trying to learn too, to like yeah. have people sharing this stuff. So, and I think ultimately, ultimately for me, what I'm realizing is like, if, if you forget the vehicle of it, I think this is marketing is what I love talking about. B2B marketing is the thing that I have experience in. I just don't think there's a lot of great education out there about it. And I want to help create that because I think there's an opportunity where for however much, a couple hundred bucks a year, I really think you're going to get a better edge. You get a better education in marketing than you would at a top tier business school. And I'm not even, I'm not bullshitting. Like, because for me, the way that I learned marketing was really just finding people who are good at it and just becoming obsessed with, with following, with following them and watching how they did it. And I think that's what people can do through DGMG, whether you want to listen to the CMO of Twilio talk about like how she runs her org or somebody who has done a great job with, with organic traffic and can show you how to do, how to create a, con, a content strategy that's focused on SEO for, for B2B. And so I'm really, I'm really bullish on it. It's, it's like, it's just freaking cool, dude. It's turned into like, it's turned into something amazing and it, and it's just, I love creating stuff and it's, it's, it's just fun when that happens and the response has been cool. So yeah. Awesome. It's, I mean, we need it. I think like, you know, marketers, like product marketers really need community. Marketers need community. It's amazing to have, you know, people, yeah, like you're saying, people you can go and learn from people you can talk oh, to. Well, that's, that's it. That's the other thing. Like, honestly, the way that I've learned the most in my marketing career has been like through, through conversations with other people doing the same thing. And so yeah. I hated going to events cause I, I hate like doing small talk and networking and all that stuff. It's just not my cup of tea, but Anytime I'd go to like a lunch or get an invite to a lunch, it's like, hey, Dave, we got five other directors of marketing from SaaS companies at 10 million in revenue, just like you. When I would sit down at those tables, that's when you learn the most because it's like, it's like therapy, but it's also like you don't have anybody to talk to. And so it's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. That company yeah. is using, why is that company using HubSpot? They're using Marketo. Oh, they're using this. Okay. And hey, have you had any luck hiring for this junior designer role? Like you learn so much through peers 
And I think that's the huge value add, like from a DGMG perspective is like, is to be able to do that at scale, to be able to hop into, cause it's hard. Like, it, you know, nobody has all these answers. And so to be, to be able to hop in and be like, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you use for ref- tracking referral campaigns? Like you can't, you can't just like, you know, go ask your friends about that. You got to be able to ask other marketers and that's, that's a ton of it. That's huge value. Absolutely. All right, man, this was great. I really appreciate you making some time and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. See you later.